0: The hero factor is that special core fundamental that stands some companies apart to achieve true greatness. There's no better time than now to discover and revive your business story. Your origin story
1: begins now. In a fractured media world, how do you get noticed? It used to be a write-up in the local paper or a TV interview was all that was needed not anymore. Now attention is split between podcast, web videos, social media, and traditional media. We got an expert today. Our guest today uses the old media experience and the new media strategies to get his clients seen. Jeff Crilley is the founder and CEO of Real News PR, a Dallas, Texas-based PR firm made up of former journalists. Welcome to the Hero Factor, Jeff Crilley. Jeff, my big question for a lot of people that are trying to get noticed, especially with so much content going out there, and everybody thinks there's content everywhere, but you and I both know there's always room for great content and always room for more. And how hard is it to get noticed in today's fractured media world?
0: I think it's getting increasingly more difficult to to get noticed. Uh, The traditional media, the New York Times, the uh, Today Show, they're overwhelmed. All of yeah. those producers have been asked to do much more than they were asked 10 years ago. They're doing it with a diminished budget. So the traditional media is, is harder to reach, uh, makes it challenging for public relations firms. And then you have the kind of the rise of social media. I'm fascinated by TikTok because that's something I'm trying to get my, my arms around. So the media keeps changing.
1: Yeah, if you got your dance down, you got to have a dance down for TikTok, don't you? I mean, what's your killer move? I don't have one. Yeah, if I don't know if I want to know your killer move, okay? I just want to be clear.
0: <laughs> I got I to gotta be honest. When I'm forced to dance, I instantly go into the Cabbage Patch, which kind of dates me. I think that was 20 years ago.
1: I'm going to tell you, I don't even know what the Cabbage Patch is. That's how they, they, I'm. I'm so archaic when it comes to dancing. I I just do whatever my wife tells me to do. So, without question, I mean, you got to have a hook, though. You got to have something that's a value, right? Some kind of hook or value to be able to get noticed.
0: Absolutely. You have to have a story to tell. I advise people who are using social media to get their message out, educate, don't sell. I mean, death of a salesman. You give them value. You can still make money. You're just demonstrating your value through social media so that they will trust you enough, know like and trust you enough to hire you or or buy your good product or service. But when I'm giving people advice on social media, I always say a social media is no different than a physical cocktail party. In a physical cocktail party. There are two people who have a lot of people gathered around them: the person who has interesting jokes and stories, and the person who is educating people. Those two people have a lot of people around them leaning in. There are mm-hmm. other people who have no audience whatsoever. It's the uh, the salesman, the life insurance salesman, who's running into that room trying to sell everybody, and the the CPA who's boring. So don't be boring. Don't be silly. Uh, give information. You can be funny, but I find that people try too hard, Jeff. Do you get that feeling too? That they're, they're yeah. trying so hard yeah. that they're missing the mark, that people just want to be entertained, educated, but not sold.
1: Well, they want authenticity. I mean, that's the biggest word. You know, people say, well, how do you, you know, Jeff, you're so authentic. And I go, how do you do that? Uh, duh. You just be authentic, right? You do that,
0: you know. It's that old saying, it's all about authenticity. Once you learn to fake that, you've got it made.
1: I love that statement. I've never heard. I've actually never heard that. That's awesome. Let's say I come to you as a client and I know you do a great job. I I hear and hear about your praises from everyone. I've seen it, you know, as you've interviewed me on your TV shows and the things that you do. It's just, it's all spot on. So let's say I come to you as a client. What's the first thing you would tell me to do?
0: With you, Jeffrey, I think you should be on CNBC and, and Fox Business every single day, as much as your schedule yeah. allow. And I know you're back-to-back, and so you're a busy guy. But uh, with your background, I mean, I, I, I see people being interviewed on the networks all the time, and I'm saying that should be Jeffrey. Uh, that's and, and, I and, and, you, and, and you've been to that big dance many, many times.
1: Yeah, well, I've done, done it. And, of course, I had my own show in Bloomberg and now doing it here with C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio. But let's imagine it's a, a, you know, another CEO another CEO of a small company, mid-range company, mid-cap company, what would you tell them? I want to get my company known. I want to get, you know, not so much me, but if it has to be me, I'll do it. But if I want to get my company known, what would you tell me to do?
0: I think the first thing is you have to declare yourself an expert in whatever field you're in. Yeah. One of my favorite recent stories is we've been helping Alan Davis out with some public relations, and, and he, of course, is on your manufacturing council. and. Yeah. When I first got on the phone with Alan Davis, I said to myself, what are you an expert in? He's an expert in made in America. And he's tying into a theme right now that is really yeah. so loud, when, especially with the, the China, uh, U.S. sable rattling. So right. Alan has got the right topic at the right time. So if I was coaching somebody for the first time, I'd say, what are you an expert in? Not what do you sell, but what are you an expert in that the media would care about? And then what I try to do with all of our clients is say, I know what you're trying to do and the message you're trying to get out, but it's much easier to sell what the customer is buying. And every single day when you turn on the news, you can see what the customer is buying, the news customer. And our standard operating procedure here at Real News PR is just to sell the media what they're already buying and letting our clients know that we've got to be very, very nimble. Because sometimes these windows of opportunity will open and then they'll, they'll slam shut. You know, in the case of it. coronavirus, it's been going on for months. Yeah, But other feeding frenzies only last 24 hours.
1: It's a 24-hour cycle. Listen, I want to talk more about that timing. We come right back. Let me take a quick message and I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we're with the Hero Factor right here with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Talking about all things hero, it's for our value-based CEOs. If you've got values, you can be a hero. And we know that by being a hero, you you earn more, you gross more, you have happier employees, more engaged customers and vendors that want to do business with you. And we're talking with one of those heroes right now, Jeff Crilly, the CEO and founder of Real News PR. And we were talking right before the break about timing, because I think They say timing is everything in business, and it's the same about media, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I find that you have to consume the news in order to get on the news. If that's one of your goals, you got to actually pay attention to what the media is buying that day. And so uh, when we're working with clients for the first time, I'm always telling them, I'm saying, this is a a partnership. I'm going to see opportunities that you won't see, and you'll see opportunities that I won't see. So to pay attention to the news and see when your story comes along. So let's suppose you're a legal expert and you, you specialize in, in criminal law. Obviously when the George Floyd thing came along. Yeah.
1: Or Jeffrey Epstein case or,
0: yes. yeah. So, so when those stories pop up, a, a criminal attorney who wants to get on the news has gotta pounce. And that means contacting the local media and saying, hey, you guys are talking about something that I talk about. If you need a local expert to weigh in, I'm your guy. I always tell people that's not a time to be shy. The media does not like gray, they like black or white. That's one of the reasons why you've been such a media darling, uh, Jeffrey, because everybody always knows how you stand. You're
1: very right. black and the yeah. media loves that. Well, you know, a lot of people don't understand, like I, when, when I was doing a lot more media or commentating for the networks, The first thing we did was scan the headlines in the morning. Very early in the morning, we look at what the key stories are, and we would see something, and I could have a particular take on it. And I would then take that take, write it up in a sentence or two, and then we would send that out to the producers, right? That's yeah. what you do. That's what you're talking about in terms of timing. And, and, and then they would go, Ooh, and I'm feeding them ideas that they can use for the show. I'm making their jobs easier. And then, then of course they, they, they pounce back right away and say, yeah, I like that. Or I don't like that. Or could you talk about this instead? Yes. Could you give me, um, and I can't remember what they used to call, it, but they used to ask me for a paragraph or two. And then, then that would drive the, the narrative of the story. And yes. that's what we would do.
0: And you're so good. You always bring your A game uh, when you're on every producer in, the, in that network and others are watching and they're saying, oh my God, this, where has he yeah. been all my life? And so success <laughs> breeds success. And I always tell clients when they have an opportunity on the news, especially when it's a, something that's important to them, you know, this is not a time to mail it in. I mean, this is a time to really bring your A game and really bring energy. I mean, as you know, Jeff, you're a high energy guy television actually kind of mutes energy. So in your head, yeah. even if you sound like you're too excited, television takes it down a notch. And guests that don't get invited back are the boring guests, the guys who, who's a monotone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or the guy that you ask the question, he shakes his head yes or no. Like, dude, you're on, you're on a radio show. You're on a podcast. You have to say something. I've, yes. you know, I have guests like that from time to time. Well, speaking of podcasting, man, it's so hot right now, more than you know, 600,000 titles listed on Apple alone. over 217,000, I believe, just in the, in the U.S. Let's talk about that. How are you putting PR clients and how are you utilizing podcasts? Well, thank
0: you for that. And that's a, a, a big topic for us because, uh, Jeffrey, I love what you're doing with your network. One of my favorite quotes is uh, Wayne Gretzky, why are you such a great hockey player? It's easy. Yeah. Everybody else is skating to the puck. I'm skating to where the puck is going to be. Uh, You're way out in front of that puck right now, and we're trying to do the same thing. We basically have spent $300,000 on television studios, and the idea is to allow podcasters to come in off the street. We give them commercial television, and they get to just show up, be the talent, interview a guest, and leave. Interestingly, for about two months, we were shut out of our own studios. Dallas County went on lockdown to all non-essentials, and we decided that we would It would probably be bad PR to try to stay open. So we we closed our studios, but didn't miss a beat with our podcast team because we were all broadcasting from home. So the aha, the epiphany for me, Jeffrey, was the podcast thing is so hot, even a pandemic can't dampen it. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs are at home. I mean, they're at home. And what does a great entrepreneur do when they're at home? They start working on their business, not in their business. And they start to think about what more can I do to get my message out? And you are absolutely right. Podcasting is red hot and only getting hotter.
1: Yeah. And I don't care. The, it, the small audiences are great when it comes to podcasting as well as big audiences. Obviously, like the bigger audience, if you're selling advertising or trying to get a greater reach, but podcasting, it's not a eyeballs and ears kind of thing. When you think about media, you always want more eyeballs and ears. But in this case, you just want more hearts and minds. Yes. Because especially if you're B2B, right? It's not so much the reach, it's the who you're reaching is more important.
0: Yes. And I like what you're doing with your show because you're interviewing people with knowledge. I think a mistake for some podcasters is they feel like I've got to be the fountain of all information. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a mistake. I've written a book. You've written a hundred books. <laughs> we, we could fill that airtime with ourselves, but it's much more interesting to interview other people, Right.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, well, I do it for me. I like to interview people like yourself and others because I always learn something like that great quote you just gave me. I'm going to use that. You know, that was spot on. By the way, speaking about that, that's not the first time you've used it. Meaning, you know what you're doing when you walk in the interview. Don't you find a lot of people don't do the prep work that just, you know, like dial it in? Yes. Uh,
0: They've never watched the show before. They don't know what they just signed up for. (laughs) I mean, it pays to like watch the show ahead of time and say, oh, wow, this is this might be a show where I'm sparring with the host. That's good information to have.
1: I'm I'm laughing my ass off right now because I can't tell you the number of people who who write to me right now and ask to be on my TV show. Well, my TV show is filmed live in front of an audience at a convention or meeting. Okay, so how the hell am I going to have you on my show? Dude, I, I, you know, that's not what the show, it's called Executive Perspectives Live. So obviously you pitched me, you told me that you watched it, they do that, and then you haven't watched it or you would know that that's what we do.
0: Yeah. It, it's, no, a,
1: it's, it's amazing how stupid people are.
0: Well, when I was uh, in the news business, I uh, you know I'd had different lives in the news business. One yeah. one day I'm I'm Mr. Crime, and then the next day I'm Mr. Feature, and uh, there was yeah, a covering period. zoos. You covering yeah, the exactly. opening of a zoo, right? <laughs> there was a time period for about a year and a half where I did nothing. I was I was the lead story reporter for the for the ten o'clock news, the big the big show in Dallas, and and all I was doing was crime and just hard hitting news, and my name was still on a lot of these PR newsletter lists as a feature reporter because those services that, you know, put you into a bucket, they have to right. call you and say, Hey, are you still a feature reporter in Dallas? So I, I never updated the, the list. And so I get these pitches all the time for, Hey Jeff, could you do a story on my dog cookbook? The, the morning show is, you know, halfway across the newsroom. I guess I could have taken that pitch and given it to the newsroom. You don't. Yeah. But, I, but I, I didn't want to do it. I'm like, if you, you just insulted me. If you, if you didn't yeah. do your basic homework to know that last night I was doing a, you know, a double homicide, uh, <laughs> why, yeah. why are you pitching me a dog cookbook?
1: Yeah. Or, or, uh, you know, baby, a baby contest or something like that. Like, like, like something that doesn't matter. I'm sure you've had some good and some bad experience. I remember you telling the story about you interviewing Mark Cuban that didn't go too well.
0: Well, yeah, it's a longer story, but, uh, the, the yeah. Mark Cuban interview that you're referring to is. Mark had produced a controversial movie about the war in the early days of the war. And they sent me, I was at Fox four in Dallas and our sister station happened to carry the Mavericks game. And so I got sent to go interview Mark Cuban on, uh, on court side. I show up super late, like we're maybe a minute away from tip off. And so they're starting to clear people off the floor. I see Mark Cuban. I hold up the poster, the newspaper poster of, of his movie. He, he shakes his head, no, I'm not going to talk to you about that. And at that point, I turn around, I turn my back to Cuban and I'm, I'm telling the photographer, get a shot of him on the sidelines. So yeah. we could say on TV that night, You know, we tried to talk to Mark and he declined to comment. I wasn't going to bother a billionaire, especially a guy who believed in my station enough to have the Mavericks games broadcasted on, on our sister station. Anyway, I feel what feels like a bear paw on my, on my shoulder. And he, which he's a big
1: guy. He's a big guy. He is a big guy. Yeah. And
0: and when he's upset, he's even a bigger guy. Yeah. He yells at me. He says, I said, get out of my stadium now. And he shouts at me. So I grab my photographer and we're leaving. And first thing I'm doing, I'm going to call. My bosses to let them know, hey, I I did exactly what yeah. you told me to do. I'm covering my butt. Yeah, all it would have taken. Yeah.
1: Changed- and, and we might we might lose the contract. So just heads up. Yeah, <laughs> just heads up. You know, like, hey, good news, I got the story. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so fast forward, I got to tell you the happy ending to the story. So fast forward, I got a chance to interview Mark Cuban again at the Microsoft store in Dallas and they were piping it into all of the other Microsoft stores. So it's 80 stores were going to carry this interview. And this is 15 years after this incident with Jeffrey. So I was scared. I was scared. What if, what if Mark Cuban actually remembers that I was the guy on the sidelines that day? And so my client was Microsoft and I didn't want to tell my client that I don't know that if I'm the, I'm the right guy to interview Mark Cuban because he might be mad at me. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't want to tell that to Microsoft, right? So on the day of Saturday morning, I show up at the Microsoft store and uh, they said, hey, do you want to meet Mark Cuban before you interview him? I said, sure. I'd, I'd love to meet Mark. And I'm just praying, dear God, dear God, don't recognize me. Don't recognize yeah. him. Yeah. There was no sign of recognition at all. He, he didn't remember me. Thank goodness. The, the interview lasted for an hour. It was piped into all the Microsoft stores. And uh, it was a very, very happy ending to a story that started <laughs> with a lot of fear, frankly.
1: Yeah. Well, I know Mark, if he would have remembered you, he would have brought it up. I, I know that for a fact that that's a fact, cause he's, he's a guy that holds a grudge. And I know he holds a grudge against a couple of friends. Hey, uh, I don't want anybody to hold a grudge against me. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back right here on the Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazel talking with Jeff Krilly, the CEO and founder of Real News PR. We're talking over some old stories and some experiences. Hey. You're a news, a news guy, but you're also an entrepreneur. You, you're running a business. Which one you like best?
0: Oh, I like the entrepreneur thing more. It's so yeah. much fun. If I have any regrets, I'm now 56, about to be 57. I wish I had started this entrepreneur thing a lot earlier. I started it when I was 45 and grew it from me and my home to now 20 full-time employees and 18 came from newsrooms. So the DNA of all of our employees is basically, let's get her done. Right, I can't say that I miss the news. I kind of feel like I'm still in the news. I'm just on the other side, and I'm helping journalists tell their stories.
1: Yeah, but you see, you see the business aspect of it. I do both as well, man. I I love making money. I love starting new things. I do, but I love this interchange. I love the ability. That's what podcasting allows me. I like podcasting actually better than the TV, and better than you know some of my shows. Although I do them, uh, they just they're harder, as you know. There's a lot of media. Folks that don't know this, there's a lot of waiting. You wait, and I hate waiting. I hate waiting for anything. I like to get started. I, I you know, I, before we did this interview, I walked right in. Thirty seconds later, we're we're taping. I like that, and a little different from that perspective. Jeff, one of the things I, I want to touch base on, and and we see this with a lot of our hero leaders, is you know great values. Which you, I mean, your your values, your your you're your impeccable, right? You, and you really are. And I know you won't say that, but I'm going to say that but you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met Didn't as well. You? And you're just gracious. Did that come naturally for you? Uh, dad is a minister, uh, uh, uncle, yeah.
0: dad, brother, uncle, all ministers. And then I remember telling my dad, Hey, I'm going to go into the news business, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is different, different than the, you know, the yeah. clergy. But he rooted me on throughout all of those years of TV mm. news. And I think TV news taught me some compassion Real compassion because you're yeah. coming into a family's life sometimes hours after they lost a loved one. So I got to see you know the, the real pain from families that were hurting. I felt like a, a member of the clergy. I mean, here I am, mm-hmm. like crying with the family, and so I had to develop real empathy. Now that I'm on this side, I get to choose my clients, Jeffrey. It's so cool. I mean, the company is doing great. We have over a hundred clients, the largest being Microsoft and, and Walmart. And it's cool to get to a point in the life of the company where you don't need anybody's money anymore. And when you don't need anybody's money, you can be choosy about your clients. And if you're choosy about your clients, you're only bringing in really cool people, which energizes your team. And so I can honestly say I've got the best team in the world and the best clients in the world. And we weed the garden. If we ever find a, you know, a client that misbehaves, they're gone. And if we ever find an employee that misbehaves too often, they're gone too. And that's, that's to me how you protect the great culture.
1: Yeah, which, which is absolutely spot on. One of our hero values is knowing the values, but you got to know your values first, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, my, I wake up every day with the same prayer, happy clients, happy employees. I Mm -hmm. refer to my company as the Garden of Eden. Vice versa and vice (laughs) versa, right?
1: Happy employees, happy clients, right?
0: Yes. Well, so I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the guy who allows the clients in and I'm the guy who allows the employees in. And I'll tell you a very quick story. So uh, we now have 20 full-time employees. There was a time when we only had seven and none of us could get along. I had hired an employee who didn't really fit the mold. And the mold is basically me. And thank you for the compliment that I'm a nice guy. I like to hire a whole bunch of nice people. And uh, this particular employee just had too much testosterone. He was just just a cowboy. And it didn't really fit. And what was happening was he was kind of scaring the rest of the employees. And I remember having to get, to get a workplace culture expert to come in to try and get seven of us to yeah. get along. Yeah. And because I'm a nice guy, and because I wasn't following the rule, slow to hire, quick to fire, I was nursing this thing along. And then th- I had an epiphany, Jeff. I, I was walking across a long parking lot to the office one morning. My stomach was upset, and I said to myself, man, I don't feel like going to work today. And when I heard myself say that, I woke up. And I was like, man, if the CEO doesn't want to go to work at his own company, this is a very sick company. Yeah. I made up my mind we needed to get rid of this employee because I'm the nice guy. I don't like to fire people myself. So I had my then vice president fire him. Yeah. <laughs> Fun story, Jeff. So I was leaving for Spain with my wife, and I told my then vice president, I think, you know, by the time I get back, he needs to be gone. And she says, okay, I'll make that happen. I'm in the plane. They're about to tell us to turn the phones off. And I got a one word text from my then vice president. It said, done. <laughs>
1: done. Yeah. And, and, I, this, this, and all that emotion, just relaxed, right? Yeah. And I came back. This
0: was the most amazing thing. I, you know, we were in Spain for, for two weeks. We come back. I came back to a completely different company, Jeff. Yeah, Just removing yeah. this one employee, it was a completely <laughs> different company. And I made a promise to myself, I'm never going to do that again. You can totally burn out an entire company with one employee that doesn't fit.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good learning right there. You know, they have a saying here in South Dakota. I'm sure it's the same for Texas. You know, one sick cow will infect the whole herd. Yes. You can lose it all with just that bad piece. Hey, Jeff, what a pleasure to have you with us. Talking Jeff Crilly, the CEO and founder of Real News PR out of Dallas, Texas. You get a chance. You want PR? You want to be on a major station? You want to be on any kind of podcast or any stories? This guy makes it happen every single day. And we've been listening to it right here on The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Thank you. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I do that on all my shows, and especially right here on The Hero Factor. And I said it right at the end. That's the lesson right there. One bad cow can infect the whole herd. You know, One sick one can infect the whole herd. We've been learning that certainly through this whole COVID experience. But that's what you want to do. So find it quick. Call it from the herd. Get rid of it as fast as you can, and you'll protect the meat of the herd. And that's what I learned right here on The Hero Factor. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, tell your friends.
0: You've been listening to the Hero Factor podcast on C-Suite Radio. Find this and other podcasts like this on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.